Blog Talk Radio. Challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is God in Country, the collision of faith and politics. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical Rev. Dr. Sean is a proud military veteran former law enforcement officer and founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through counseling, elite life coaching, and national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This series is biblically and politically engaged with the pedal to the metal. With today's edition of God in Country, here is host and author of the acclaimed yet controversial book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you for joining us, folks. We sure appreciate it. It's good to have you. Um, we, uh, we have an interesting show for you today, and uh, I know <laughs> these shows, you know, sometimes aren't even planned. They just come together. So you never know what will come out of my mouth, but feel free. I'm going to open the chat room. Uh, I have been reluctant to do so because it seems like for whatever reason, sometimes when I open that, I don't know if there's any correlation at all, but when I open it, uh, there's, there's sometimes is a, a glitch in the sound or we drop Skype or Whatever, because Skype is the audio that we use to broadcast the show. And we tried to direct connect. Uh, we were on board for that for a while, and quite honestly, it, it worked uh, abysmally. So they're still working on that. And so we hope – okay, chat room is open. So if you have questions and you don't want to call in, then chat room is the place for you. Chat room is the place for you. Um, it's been an interesting week. You all know that, of course, and you you live in the world, so you know this. You know it's been an interesting week. There's been a lot of crazy stuff going on in uh, the United States of America. We have a lot of crazy stuff just all over the place. It's just a nutty, nutty world. The collision of faith and politics, that's what you've found today, and I appreciate you, you joining us. We got Boehner. We got the Pope. We got Black Lives Matter. We got... Nooses, lanterns, nooses, lanterns. Which is it, University of Delaware? Which is it? Leadership, no leadership? Which are we going to have? Are we going to choose one? Pick one. Pick a lane, folks. Pick a lane. The world's real grown-up leaders, they're gathered in New York City at the United Nations, and they're going to be addressing the General Assembly. They've been doing it throughout the day. The president of Iran, you know, the one, the Death to America guy from the Death to America country, you know, the one who we're giving nuclear power to through a nuclear A. I can't even spell the word. It crushes me. It crushes me. Through a nuclear agreement, a, a negotiation of some sort. This word, negotiation, uh, you keep using this word. I don't think you know what that word means. My name is Nigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. That's what that's from. You're welcome. It's free of charge. So our community organizer in chief, uh, he is he's meeting with the crazy grown folk. Putin and you know China and Iran, Rouhani from I mean these are grown folk. They're crazy. 
but they're grown folk. They groan. So he's meeting with these crazy grown folk, and he's sitting at the grown-up table. But is he really there to work on the best interest of you and your family and this country? Who is he the president of? What is he trying to, to affect? I mean, somebody needs to tell me. Because I haven't been able to figure out by watching this guy whose team he is on. Oh, that's just hyperbole, Dr. Sean. No, no, I don't think so. You see, Hussein Obama, he he's going to be there, or he's there, and he's going to say his his fluffy rhetoric that nobody believes, not even himself because he knows it's bull. So Hussein Obama, he's going to be there, and, and yet there are thousands outside of the U.N., and they're Iranian-Americans. They are from Iran. Iran, Iran so far away. Um, what is that? I could not get away. Something, I don't know. It's Duran Duran, I think, right? It just popped in my head. Oh, I guess I should explain. This week I turned 50. 50 years old. Not only does he have a brain injury, but he's 50 years old now. So that's right, 50 years old. Be patient with me. I'm a work in progress. So, yeah, we had a great party and lots of just great great people, and it was wonderful, absolutely wonderful. Oh, by the way, for those of you that listened in yesterday uh, all across America and you wanted to hear the message yesterday, I have apologized uh, to the group uh, yesterday that heard the first, teen, six, first 16 minutes, and those of you that went back to download in the archive, and I see that the numbers are climbing, uh, and I've gotten a ton of messages from people saying, hey, you know what? There's only 16 minutes. What the deal? Well, the deal is that um, (laughs) somehow or another, something happened with Blog Talk Radio, which seems to be happening lately in greater frequency, and it dropped. It just dropped the connection. And so we tried to get it back. We couldn't get it back. So the first 16 minutes of the sermon were all that was there, the message uh, it was kind of kind of a cool message. So I'm actually, I was asked uh, about a gazillion times, would I be willing to repeat that? And uh, I not only am going to repeat that at the end of today, if I have time, I'm going to not only am I going to repeat that, uh, I'm, I'm going to actually do the whole thing live for you folks right now. And I'm even more fired up than I was yesterday, if that's even possible. And so you'll be able to have that. You'll be able to have that, um, and you can listen to it later or listen to it today, whatever you want to do. You can send it around to your friends, try to bless them with it. That's what we try to do. ISIS grows. Black Lives Matter at the University of Delaware. They went apoplectic over lanterns, little leashes, and they saw nooses that were lanterns that they felt were nooses. And that's really what matters, right? What they felt, not what they are. It's the fact that they could feel that way in America. This is what they tell me. I had a big, long debate on the, on the infinites. I had a big, long debate on the infinites over the weekend. And in the process of that, uh, it just was kind of one of those things. Just kind of one of those things. It, it just... Um, you know, I, I learned a lot uh, when I was five. And then I continue to learn a lot about people. 
when I'm 50. And I can tell you that kids today, now I will say this, they're not all bad. I'm going to talk about one if I get time. I'm going to talk about one in particular, maybe two that came out of that discussion that were pretty amazing, pretty amazing people that I've made contact with and and we're keeping an open line of dialogue, but we're talking truth and we're not talking about silly stuff. We're talking grown folk stuff. See, I'm talking about grown folk here. And uh, this whole Black Lives Matter business, I, I don't have any patience for it, for real. You want to call it what it is? You know, there's people on video uh, making the claim that people are flinging the N-word around, calling them porch monkeys, saying you'll never, you'll never graduate, you N-word porch monkey. Uh, they're telling me that there's teachers that have said to them, uh, of course nobody else hears this, uh, said to them, you're never going to succeed because you're black. And I, in writing, called that. I threw the, you're a freaking liar flag. I threw the, you're a liar flag. And um, they didn't like that, but uh, they can't prove anything. So, meanwhile, the whole hordes of Black Lives Matter people keep going around the country. One young lady, and I use that term loosely, she just got locked up. And she didn't get bail, and she was surprised. She was like, oh, no, that's – she ran a blog, and when she was pointing a gun at the camera, talking about, we're coming after you, whitey. White cops, we're killing white cops, we're killing white people, we're coming after you. And she represents the Black Lives Matter group. Now, of course, the Black Lives Matter group will say, no, she she don't represent us. No, she don't. Mm-mm. No, she ain't part of us. No. She don't know me. I don't know her. She do have a she do have a First Amendment right to say what she want to say. No, actually, you can't say I'm going to kill cops. You can't say I'm going to kill Whitey, even though the Attorney General of the United States, the the past one and the current one, they're very timid about locking up people that say they're going to kill Whitey. They have no problem locking up a Christian lady that says, "Look, I, I'm just morally opposed by my faith to issue same-sex marriage certificates," but you know, love people, but I just can't do the certificate thing. So I'm going to talk about why this matters to you. If I, I'm going to try to get to all this. There's so much stuff that just kind of came on me all at once. You know, you know, the Pope came to America. Who saw the Pope? Anybody? Raise your hands. Raise your hands. Who saw the Pope? I'm look. I'm not going to make fun of the Pope, but I am going. <laughs> I am sure going to make fun. Of all the crazy business that's been going on, and I'm talking crazy business that has been going on. Oh, we have some of the Black Lives Matter people listening in right now. That's nice to hear. Thank you for joining us. You're gonna hear some truth today. I want to be clear. I put out a. I put out a. Um, I don't have Facebook pulled up, but uh, I posted a video of a of a young man, and and he. Uh, he gave a speech, and you know I know he can do better than that. And the reason, where was he giving a speech? Somebody just want to know where was he giving the speech? Uh, he was giving the speech on the University of Delaware campus, and the president, uh, acting president of the campus, was there because she said, you know, oh, this is horrible, this is disgusting, that something like this could happen in our campus. That, you know, that that whether they're lanterns or they're nooses, um, you know, even though the police department said. They're lanterns. They're the holder for the inside of a Japanese lantern. Whoa, he said Japanese. He's a racist. That's what they're called, folks. They're called Japanese lanterns. They went up in June. They were hanging in June. 
And there was an event there, an alumni event, and unfortunately when they tried to pull some of them down, the whole things didn't come down. The little thing that holds them that is in the inside, the little framework, it's very, very small. How you could mistake it for a noose, I don't know. And they, But their answer is, some of the Black Lives Matter people, their answer is, well, the way you mistake it for a, a noose, the way you mistake it for a noose is you have, you're not black. You don't understand. You just don't understand. So anyway, anyway, we'll talk about that. We'll talk. Get your coffee. We'll talk. Sean. So anyway, the Pope comes to America, and ostensibly he comes to talk about families, but what did he really say? And what didn't he say? And I'm, and I, hopefully I can get to this. Uh, why even, I'm going to discuss the, you know, answer this question. Why even if you're not Catholic, why should it matter to you? And I, and I want to be real upfront with you folks. I want to be really, really upfront with you folks. My buddy Philly Bob, who Philly, Philly Bob and Millie, they made a banging food for my birthday. They came to my birthday. They brought all the food. Crazy good. Um, he just uh, chimed in with, yeah, the police state of Philadelphia, Border Patrol, ICE, FBI, National Guard, state troopers, Philly cops, guarding them crazy Christians that are probably going to do harm to that pope. You know, he's not safe. He's not safe. So um, here's the thing. Here's the really big thing, folks. Here's the really big thing. There's a lot surrounding that. Whatever happened to the separation of church and state, we're, we're spending huge Huge money on all this. Hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars between the three cities, D.C., New York City, and Philadelphia. Hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. And it's a religious leader. So so let's say uh, Billy Graham, Reverend Dr. Billy Graham, let's say he wasn't 95 years old and he was still traveling and doing his crusades. Would they provide that for him? You know, he's kind of the Christian's pope. He's analogous to that. So would that happen? Well, I don't think so. Well, you can't compare that to the Catholic Pope. I mean, that's a big deal. Okay, I can appreciate that. But did you see what was going on? Did you listen to what he said? Maybe he didn't chime. Maybe he didn't tune in because you said, I'm not Catholic. Or maybe you said, I'm busy going to work, paying for all this, all these um, liberal socialist ideas this man has. I don't know. Did he ever talk about Jesus Christ? Did he ever talk about other than that he was a failure on the cross? Did he ever? Come on, man. All right, so uh, so here we are. This is, what is this, the 28th? So yesterday, just so you know, yesterday was Gold Star Mother's Day. Gold Star Mother's Day. Do you guys know what gold star mothers, what a gold star mother is? You guys know what that is? I, I talk about it on the show. If you've listened, if you've listened to the show for four and a half seconds, you know what a gold star family is. You know what a gold star mother is. And that's someone who has given the ultimate sacrifice. They've given their child, their husband, their wife, their son, their daughter. Their immediate family member there, but the mother, the mother, the gold star mother is someone who gave up a child, a, a son or a daughter, fighting for freedom. I mean, how many? I don't know how many in the, uh, I don't know how many in the audience 
knew that it was Gold Star Mother's Day. It wasn't really uh, advertised. I didn't see any commercials on television. I don't know why. It's not a big, not a big thing. Not a big thing. I don't know. I don't know. But it's a big day to me. And how many of you know what a soldier's mother's life is like? Well, Kay and Ron Riverly, they have a good idea, and I want you to listen to this because this will tell you an awful lot. Another Christmas comes and goes Another new year has begun Another spring has bloomed and blossomed Another shining summer sun And as life goes on around her Something's missing in her life For her child is somewhere fighting This is a soldier's mother's life With tears and hugs and kisses She watched them leave for war Never knowing if she'd get the chance To hug her child once more And as she gets on her knees to say Prayers to God tonight She'll ask, bring my child back safely home This is a soldier's mother's life Another month marked off the calendar Another day without hellos Another birthday without candles Another Mother's Day alone As another day comes to a close She turns on that porch light As a sign that she's home waiting This is a soldier's mother's life
Salute the families of those who serve. May God bless each and every one of you, and may He bring all your loved ones back safely home. Amen. Well, there you have it a soldier's mother's life, and yesterday was Gold Star Mother's Day, and yet most people in the audience of, I guess it's what, about half a million people? Uh, they don't have any idea of it. It's tragic, it's heartbreaking, and it's egregious. I think, uh, you know, by the way, thank you to all of you for sharing the links and and for doing what you do to get the word uh, out there about this show. I really, really appreciate it. I really do. It means the world to me. If we're ever to grow to have a, a voice, truly a voice that can make a difference. I uh, I really appreciate it, it's, but that's what's got to happen. People got to tell and tell the story of the show and what we do here. But, you know, I'm here to tell you, you know, A Soldier's Mother's Life, my friends Kay and Ron Rivoli of the Rivoli Review, um, I just did a post on Facebook. There's some links and stuff. Uh, they are, They are extraordinary people, and they're in the fight traveling all over the country fighting for liberty and fighting for freedom. And I'm here to tell you it's a lot harder than people think it is. It's a lot harder. But it's indescribable when we think about the people who on Gold Star Mother's Day, they look in their own window and they see a flag like my friend Debbie Lee Mark Allen Lee, first Navy SEAL killed in Iraq. She's the mother of Mark Allen Lee. She has that gold star in her window. My friend Karen Vaughn, mother of of Special Operations Chief Aaron Caution Vaughn. She has that gold star in her window. My friend Charlie and Mary Ann Strange, they have that gold star in their window for Michael Strange. Crushing. Crushing, folks. They're not coming back. I ask this question a lot, and I and I say this a lot, and, and I think it's important to remember uh, I don't say it for hyperbole's sake. I, I, I say it because it's true. Are we worth their sacrifice? Are we worth their sacrifice? Because I'll tell you something. I'm finding that a lot of folks they just they just don't know. They just don't know. They don't know what it costs. They don't know what the daily cost, the minute-by-minute cost. They don't know what that is for liberty and freedom. They just don't know because they're busy enjoying freedom. They're busy enjoying freedom. And I'll tell you the truth, it's tragic. It's tragic. 
You know, in the discussion that I, I got into uh, with the, the Black Lives Matter folks at the University of Delaware, the discussion I got into with them, uh, on the one hand, until I started receiving personal messages from people, I won't say who they are, but I was privileged to receive them that are in that group to say, hey, I, I'm really sorry. Uh, I don't want to be disrespectful to you. You know, I, I just, you know, I don't agree with you. I mean, the stuff you're saying, I, you know, you don't know if it's true. And then we had a discussion back and forth. We had a real conversation. That's when stuff changes. That's when that's when people's lives are changed. That's when you start deserving the sacrifice, when you start getting real about things. We're going to talk about real in a little bit. So the Pope was here, and look, I don't mean to demean it. That's a big deal for the, the uh, you know, the United States has the world's fourth largest population of Roman Catholics. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. And, and, and people of Catholic faith, uh, I know many, many people of the Catholic faith that are super, super devout. Um, I get a lot of messages. Um, well, I love this comment. Uh, my buddy Steve just said, these men and women didn't put that much on the line, these Black Lives Matter people that are burning flags. Which, by the way, I don't understand why they're burning the flag. They have the freedom that they have because of people who spill blood fighting for that flag. But he says, uh, these men and women didn't put that much on the line, so we would roll over and let reason be supplanted by stupidity out of fear to stand up. Amen. I have a saying. It's a hashtag. Uh, my my buddy Sean usually puts it on uh, the Facebook page, God and Country Radio Show Facebook page. Just go to facebook.com backslash God and Country Radio, and you will see. Uh, you can click on like there. And, and also, if you come over and subscribe, you do the subscribe thing on Block Talk Radio. That way, you get notices every time. We don't we don't beat you over the head with a bunch of notices and all that. And just you know stuff about our show, and then where I'll be speaking and all that. But anyway, so I you know I don't I don't I don't want anybody to think that I'm throwing rocks at Catholics. I I happen to know I know some Catholics that go to go to mass literally every day. I didn't know that they had mass every day, but they do. Uh, and, and one of them was 85 years old going to Mass every single day. Every single day. Can you imagine? I mean, that's dedication. A lot of people uh, send me messages. That a lot of the Christians, they get mad at me. They say, well, you're supposed to be a reverend doctor. Why do you say such nice things about Mormons? Because there's a lot of nice things to say about Mormons. Uh, I have a lot of Mormon friends. I have a huge Mormon following. Who who to thunk it, right? I happen to know uh, the Romney family. I, I I'm friends with some of the Romneys, and and uh, we, you know, we have a relationship. We're not BFFs, but I've seen these people. I've seen how they live. I I know lots of other Mormons. I've known them for many many years, and you know what? I'll tell you what. They live their life. It's the lowest divorce rate in the world. The Mormon community has the lowest. You say, well, that's because they're afraid because they make the women afraid. Come on. Come on. Every group has its fringe, wild, crazy stuff going on. Christians have it. Catholics have it. I don't know that the Jews have it, but, um, you know, certainly the Muslims, it seems like they have it. seems like that's what kind of defines them, doesn't it? Anyway, so last year, John Boehner. <laughs> I'm John Boehner. 
surprised even saying his name for Pete's sake. Grow a set. Come on, dude. You know what? I'll tell you the truth. There are, uh, you know, most of you know, I have a, a small counseling practice, and <coughs> or at least I used to, you know, until I got famous. Now it's huge. No, it's not. I'm just teasing. But there is, there is actually a, uh, there's, there's a, a medical condition where you cry. Uh, now I'm not going to front. I cry. Listen, uh, when I hear Kay. Rivoli sing a soldier's mother's life it makes me cry because I've, I've got lots of friends in Arlington National Cemetery. I've got lots of friends there. And it upsets me. It makes me mad because they've given so much. They've given everything. And yet, you know, we're still going the way that we're going. Anyway, back to the Pope. So there's a, there's a condition uh, that, that I... I don't know if John Boehner has it or not, or if he's just a total wuss. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows which it is? Hard to say. If I spent some time with him, which I don't think I could stand to spend some time with him, but if I spent some time with him, maybe I'd know. And I don't know people that know him. You know, I've shook, I shook his hand, I think, once, but that's about it. I don't know anybody that knows him, so I don't know if he's a decent guy. I don't, don't know any of that stuff. He needs to back away from the tanning salon, and he needs to suck it up a little bit. But if he has this... Uh, disorder, then that would explain a whole lot. Why you cry at the drop of a hat. He was behind the Pope when the Pope was addressing Congress, and and I have to say, you know, for a Catholic, that would be a big deal. That would be a really big deal. Apparently, uh, Joe Biden wasn't as moved because all he did was smile. But uh, but Boehner, he was really uh, powerfully moved by it. I'm not going to throw rocks at that. But I will say that last year, John Boehner teamed up with Nancy Pelosi to invite the Pope to address Congress in this September, uh, you know, yesterday, day before, day before yesterday. What was it, yesterday, Sunday? Uh, Friday, I guess it was. And, and I'm going to ask you something. Any, are you a little nervous anytime a Republican teams up with the likes of Nancy Pelosi? You know, she hasn't seen the Planned Parenthood videos, but they're fake. She hasn't seen the videos but they are um they are actually uh they're 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 doctored it's like Barack Hussein Obama well i i don't know the facts of the case with the police officer in in Boston but uh i know he acted stupidly police acted stupidly i think it was Boston where that was then they had the beer summit So anyway, anytime the likes of Nancy Pelosi, you know Nancy Pelosi, she's the one that says um, you have to pass Obamacare to know what's in Obamacare. You know, there's a lot of truth, by the way. I wanted to say this. There's a lot of truth in, in what she says there. I mean, actually, it's funny for us to look at. It's sad and funny, funny in a sad sort of way. But it's funny because it sounds so crazy, but actually it was written that way. It was written that way so that you could see uh, you could see what what really is going on here. It was written so that it has to be passed, and then once it's passed, they add a bunch of stuff that's not even in the bill that doesn't get voted on. So we have to pass the bill before we read it. But she says the Planned Parenthood. And let me ask you this. anybody Can anybody help me with this? Catholics, I have many, many friends that are Catholics. I thought the deal... One of the linchpin deals with Catholics was that uh, pro-life, 
the sanctity of life that, you know, the abortion thing is a big deal. And yet she's fighting for Planned Parenthood. She says, well, I don't I think the church is in a state of flux on that. I don't think that they fully decided. Biden, Biden says the same thing. Well, I, I don't think that that's really uh, I don't think it's really firmly been decided. There's only one problem with that. It's a big, fat lie. It's a big, fat lie. But anyway, it, it, Republican teams up with the likes of Nancy Pelosi. I think we should ask why or what the heck, as I would say. Together. They were together, and they praised you. Go back, search it on the, the YouTube. By the way, I have a YouTube channel. If you go to YouTube and you type in The Ninja Pastor, you'll be able to watch my videos. I do videos from time to time, sometimes on a weekly basis, depending on what strikes me. They're little. They're short. Um, I don't even know how long the, uh, you know, I don't know how long the longest one is, but usually they're like two minutes. The last one I just did was two minutes and 42 seconds. I'm I'm pretty sure the Catholic Church is firmly decided. I'm pretty sure they're firmly decided on, on pro-life or otherwise. But anyway, so they get together, Boehner and Pelosi, they get together and they praise the Pope's message of compassion and mercy for the needy and disadvantaged. Hey, you know what? We all... We all love to look at folks and say, hey, we care about people. We're caring people. But I have to ask you, you understand when when liberals say together we they we praise the Pope's message, the Holy Father, the papal, I don't know what the word is that they, I don't know, I don't know all the terms, so I'm, I don't want to be, I don't want to be ignorant. But anyway, they... You know, they were praising him, saying that, you know, the language of compassion and mercy for the needy and disadvantaged, you understand? That's just, look, that's co-opting the language. The language of compassion, compassion, folks, is just a weapon of choice for advocates of the welfare state. You need to understand when you see, when you see these people saying, I apologize, I'm getting some messages saying that the audio is stuttering. Uh, but then others are saying how clear it is. I don't know. Boy, uh, Blog Talk Radio, I hope you're hearing that because I know Blog Talk Radio, the engineers are listening. Uh, I really hope you're listening to this because if you're hearing it that way, then I need it fixed because this ain't free to do and it's my money I'm using, so I need to have it fixed. If you're listening, please pay attention. Others are saying it's crystal clear, so maybe it's your Internet connection where you are. I'm not sure which. I have a bunch of people telling me it's skipping like I'm stuttering. Like I'm stuttering. So there's a lot of, uh, there's just a lot of subversive angles. Everybody's triangulating this and that and the co-opting of the language. The vernacular is totally co-opted. Compassion. We like these. We like these words. Compassion, mercy. You know, nobody wants to say, let's beat the needy and the disadvantaged down. But who are the needy and disadvantaged? To to some degree, the needy and disadvantaged are the perpetually aggrieved. I would say the Black Lives Matter. You know, it's funny. I I have access to some stuff. Some of you know my past. I have some access to some stuff. So when 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 somebody tells me that they're aggrieved and they're they're you know they're at the University of Delaware and they're you know they're fighting for justice and all that and what they've had to face and the things they've had to overcome. Well, I do a little research, and I find out they're going to college for free and not on an academic scholarship. And I say to myself, why are you mad? 
And it, and if and if the white cops and, and, and the white people just running around the University of Delaware were so dangerous, you wouldn't have stood up on a stage and and talked your mess about it's because I could think they were nooses is why there's a problem. Yeah. There's monsters under the bed. Some folks took offense to that when I did some writing and I said, Look, you gotta stop being afraid of monsters under the bed. You gotta stop, you know, complaining about the monsters under the bed. You know, it's just, it's aggravating, folks. It's aggravating because you have a feeling, you have a feeling. And look, it's it's the chronically needy and disadvantaged. And and here's the thing. I remember this when I was a police officer and when I did other other things that had me interfacing with folks. It's these same people. They're chronically mad. They're chronically disadvantaged. They're chronically aggrieved. And they also, ironically, use the system the most to their advantage. See, that's the thing. That's the thing, folks. I I think... When I look at this, that's the thing that gets me so mad, you know. You look at the numbers of the University of Delaware, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but you look at the numbers of the University of Delaware of, of white kids that go on financial aid scholarships and black kids, and I know what everybody's going to say. Everybody's going to say, well, that's because they they, the white kids don't need it as much. You don't understand racism because you're white. You can't understand. You're just naturally racist. That's what you are because you're white. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. That is the stupidest thing I ever heard. Tomorrow I'm getting together with my very best friends since kindergarten. Oh, and by the way, he's a black guy. Oh, wait. Oh, there you go. You're throwing in the black guy. Oh, you have black friends. Oh, he's using that old argument. Stupid. It's a stupid argument. He's my real friend. I love the dude. And I'll spend every time, every moment I can with him. And have lots of others. And 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 the, it, it, we don't have color friends. We don't. Have, oh, this is my black friend. This is my white friend. I'm just making a point. By the way, the ninjapastor.com, the ninjapastor.com. Uh, there's some cool stuff on there. If you go to the ninjapastor.com, there's all kinds of stuff on there. You can subscribe to my iTunes thing and get all kinds of free stuff. It's all free. There's nothing on there. I don't think anything on there costs anything. Anyway. But look, you you need to understand that the language has been co-opted. On the left, make no mistake about it. I'm not so positive that that Boehner isn't a leftist. This dude caves so much, I just can't believe it. I can't believe he can even put his shoes on in the morning. Ah, yum. That water good, y'all. That water good. It's just a language. It's a trick, trick language. And 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 one of the few people that um that private messaged me during this discussion. I mean, it went into the wee hours of the morning. I said, listen, don't be hooked into this. Don't don't be tricked by this. This is all people. This is much bigger than the Black Lives Matter movement, and they are using you as a tool. It's all a ploy. They use language, the language of compassion. Listen, that's the weapon of choice for advocates of the welfare state. We have to have compassion. We have to uh, – what is it, the schools um, – not disadvantaged. What is that word? Underserved. Yeah, it's the underserved. We have to we have to do better for the underserved. And then you look at the numbers. 
the dollar signs and you say, well, hold on a second. The average kid in this underserved area is getting $12,495. We've obligated of public money $12,495. And in the well-served areas, i.e. the white areas, in the white areas, well, let's look at the numbers. They're getting, hmm, less than that. Language of compassion, folks. It's the weapon of choice for advocates of the welfare state. Let's talk about compassion. You know what compassion really is? It's support for liberal immigration policies, among other things. It's, it's not just that. But let's, you, you see this push on. Come on, folks. Look, look at television or the TV, as we call it, where I'm from, where I grew up at. I dangled a participle, didn't I? Yes, I did. Did it on purpose, too. Look, you, you've got to watch the television. You've got, you've got to pay attention. Because while you're being entertained to death, they're bringing ISIS into our country. And we're just standing there like it's nothing. Oh, okay, we don't want to be mean people. We don't want to be mean. <laughs> Come on, folks. We are smarter than that, are we not? Are we not smarter than that? You you need to know what you see. Compassion equals support for liberal immigration policies. And and people will they they really get hung up on this. They say, Why would they do it? I told my Kehala yesterday. Stop worrying about why. Stop worrying about why the answers to the question. Well, why would President Barack Hussein Obama want to destroy the country? Why would anybody want to do it? I don't blame them for asking the question until years ago. I asked the same thing, as if knowing that answer is going to make us put us in a position where we can talk to them. Why Why would Iran want to blow us up? By the way, if you go to the God and Country radio show page on the Facebook, you go to facebook.com backslash God and Country radio show, you will see a photograph of me and all my regalia. I got my 50-year-old hat, my son, Duel. Uh, he surprised me. Him and his good buddy, Dylan, came all the way from Lynchburg, Virginia. Uh, surprised me. They came in, and, and Duel went out and bought balloons and really thoughtful. It's such a thoughtful kid, I'll tell you. And he bought me a sash, and I rocked it, y'all. I rocked it. I didn't have no high heels on, but, boy, did I rock it. I had a sash on. I had a little... Um, Trophy for nothing, banner for nothing, or what he what he called it, award for nothing, doing nothing, just being 50. Award for participation, he called it, yeah. Cracked me up. Anyway, that picture's on there. I look silly as all get out. And I'm making the symbol gang. I'm flashing the gang symbol, 5 Get it, 5 That's police, but I'm actually 50. Yeah, you'll get it. That's a joke grenade. You'll get that in a minute. So liberal immigration policies, compassion, that's what it equals. So you got to stop thinking, well, well, why would this administration want to give nukes to Iran? Why would they want to do it? As if knowing the answer to that is somehow going to empower you to have a conversation with them. Now, Barack, well, if you could, that means busy on his vacations. Hundreds of millions of dollars spent already on vacations. It cracks me up. Uh, Michelle Obama comes from uh, meeting the Pope and him talking all about how 
rich white people, you know, I'm translating this for you, rich white people, you need to give more to the poor people and the disadvantaged and the underserved, and we need to be more humble and blah, blah, blah. This chick's out there wearing a $3,000 dress. Mm-hmm. Well, all right. Well, all right. Anyway, I should go on. I'll I'll never get finished. Yesterday, I know you guys didn't hear this, but you hear it today if I get finished. Uh, yesterday, boy, time flew. Hour went so fast, but today we're on two hours. So let's see what we can do. Let's see if we can't see if we can't make something happen here. So last year, the Pope called opponents of Barack Hussein Obama's amnesty, uh, his whole amnesty platform, racist and xenophobic. He joked, he actually joked that he might enter the United States via the Mexican border when he visits as a beautiful gesture of support and solidarity. With who? Criminals? Let me say this again. Do y'all, y'all hear that? Do y'all hear that? Y'all must have missed that. Let me say it again. Because I heard a lot of, huh? I don't blame you. Last year, the Pope called opponents of Barack Hussein Obama's amnesty policies racist and xenophobic, and he made jokes that he might just enter the United States via the Mexican border when he visits, you know, as a gesture of, a beautiful gesture of support and solidarity with the criminals that are coming across the border. Now, he mentioned Mexico. It's not just Mexico we've got to worry about, but Mexico is a big thing. And it's not just Mexicans coming across. It's all kinds of other folks. He espouses the same, this is the Pope, the same compassion for the borders of jihadist flooded Europe. Oh, we need to take them in. Oh, we need to take them in. Pay attention, bruh. Pay attention. You know, you could look at what's been going on the past couple of weeks with the clock, uh, the clock gate, you know, the Ahmed Muhammad. I talked about him last week. Remember that? I made a video. If you go to the YouTube page, uh, just go to YouTube, type in uh, The Ninja Pastor, and you will find um, really, really some cool stuff. Really, really cool stuff. It's really, really quite amazing. And you'll, you'll enjoy it. You'll enjoy it. It'll make you laugh. It'll, I don't know. You'll laugh. You'll cry. But this pope is also saying the same thing. Yet he has 22-foot high, 3-foot thick stone walls around where he lived at. The Vatican. Most closely guarded and protected place on the planet. Well, how about you take a whole bunch in? How about, let's see, can you fit a thousand? How about a thousand? Let's start with a thousand. Anybody? A thousand. Let them all in. I don't know if you heard, but Pope Francis condemns free markets. He suggests at, at, at an address at the UN that we all must continue to fight against the economy of exclusion and the culture of death. And how, how does he think that we should do this? What, what should we do? How should we do it? Anybody, anybody know? Oh, I'll tell you. This is how we're going to do this. But this is how we're going to fight against, according to Pope Francis, how we're going to fight against the economy of exclusion and the culture of death. Now, culture of death, can somebody help me with how free markets is the culture of death? Uh, could you mention ISIS? Could you mention Islam? That's the culture of death. That's the real culture of death. Somehow or another, he failed to mention that. 
This is how he says that we're going to fight against the economy of exclusion and the culture of death by an immediate redistribution of economic benefits by the state. In other words, income or wealth redistribution. We're going to redistribute your money. We're going to take from you, the hard worker, and we're going to give we're going to give this to other people. You know, the the people who are disadvantaged and needy and in need of compassion and mercy. The underserved. The underrepresented. Look, if I was if I was a black person in this country, I'd be mad. I've said this several times before. I would be mad because the friends I have, they all work hard. They all work hard. My buddy, my buddy, man, he he has worked hard every day of his life. Self-employed, does great things, working hard despite being very, very ill. He just gets after it. He gets after it. Makes me nervous. Boy works so hard. I know a lot of people that work super, super hard, black people. And they look, we sit down and we have breakfast. I'm privileged to have breakfast with him and his boy uh, who's serving country. God bless you. Thank you for serving, buddy. Uh, we really appreciate it. Long way overseas, but he happens to be home on a visit, and I'm going to get to have breakfast with both of them. And I'm pleased as punch about that. Does anybody drink punch anymore? I think it's just weddings, right? Punch is just a weddings thing now. You know? Or uh, I don't even think they have it now at... Um, like proms and stuff. Now they have like water bottles and stuff like that because everybody's concerned about germs and whatnot. People spiking some stuff. I don't blame them. People put drugs in drinks nowadays. It's crazy. Well, back in my day, <laughs> I sound old, don't I? I got old quick. I got old quick. This is what Pope Francis is saying. Now, this is a guy who who every need he has had for the past 20 years has been met by the Catholic Church, every need. I'd say 20 years. It's been longer than that, but I'll say 20 years because that's about when he really started to climb. And he's from Argentina. You know, if you want to Google some Argentina, just find out uh, just find out how they've wrecked their country. And yet this dude is coming here, and he's telling us, hey, you know, you, you bunch of free market people, you shouldn't be doing what you're doing. You need to give away your stuff. You need to redistribute your economic benefits, in other words, your money, by the state. You need to hand it to the state and give it up. Communism and socialism. I can't understand why more Catholics aren't up in arms about this man. Now, I know many of them, and many of them are really, really mad. They're like, man, oh, man, I don't need to be hearing this. Now, he's not opposed to all America represents, but he is troubled by the privileged people. I guess I'm one of those people, white privilege. Some people told me uh, from the Black Lives Matter group that I have white privilege. Man, I'm trying to find that white privilege card so I can get some stuff for free. But so far I have not found it, and I cannot find it. I can't find it. Darn white privilege card. No, he's, he's he's not opposed at all about all the things America represents, but he is troubled by the privileged people. Cue the music, cue, cue the white white people music. The, the white privileged people and the nations that consume more than their share, more than their share, and turn their backs on the vulnerable. This is the message he delivered when he came. They say the United States has been blessed with many gifts, 
but that from those to whom much is given, much is expected. Are you kidding me, folks? A-Y-K-M, are you kidding me? You're telling me the most generous country in the world, in all of history, not the largest country in the world, but the most generous, the most generous country in the whole world. And this man has the nerve to come to the shores of the United States of America and to be treated like a king. And he tells us, to those who much is given, much is expected. You've got to be kidding me. We'll be right back. We will be back with Dr. Sean, the Ninja Pastor, after these short messages. Hey, listeners, let me tell you something really quick. Listen, if you own a gun, not even if you carry a gun, not even if you have a concealed carry permit, but if you own a gun, you need to listen up. You need to get a pen, you need to get paper, something. You need to click into your notes in your smartphone and, and take this number down. First of all, the first number is 20630. Don't worry, I'll repeat it. 20630. Listen, you have the right to defend yourself and your loved ones and your home. All of that stuff is true. You know it is. But the moment you pull the trigger or pull your gun, you are at risk for devastating legal and financial consequences. You know, you can be arrested. You can be jailed. You can be sued. You can be fired. You can be bankrupted. Even when you've legally and justifiably used a gun in self-defense. Listen, you don't have to let this happen to you. Just call Second Call Defense. That number you want is 20630. Listen, it's going to get you a whole month free. 20630. I'll give you the number in a second. You're going to enjoy, listen, when you become a member, you're going to enjoy peace of mind of having immediate and comprehensive legal and financial protection at your fingertips the moment you pull your gun, the moment you pull the trigger, no matter where you are in the United States. You just make two calls. Your first call should always be to 911 to request an ambulance and law enforcement. And listen, we'll tell you exactly what to do, what to say, how to say it. Your second call should be to second call defense. Listen, we've got your back. It's complete legal protection for armed self-defense, and it is fully endorsed by the NRA. It's fully backed by the NRA insurance program. Folks, you've got to have this coverage. I have the Cadillac protection, which is the ultimate coverage, and I'm telling you, it is phenomenal. People say, well, I've got homeowner's coverage. That'll protect me. I've got an umbrella policy, civil liability policy. No, no, it won't. In fact, it's specifically excluded. You say, well, I'll get a public, a public defender. They'll keep me out of jail. No, they won't. First of all, usually public defenders are from liberal colleges and liberal law schools. They hate guns. They hate people that carry guns. And they're, they don't understand uh, lethal force to start with. They're overworked. They're underpaid. Is that what you want to bet your freedom on? Is that what you want to bet your financial future on? That? Are you kidding me? 877-502-3300. Secondcalldefense.org. You want to give them this number, 20 630. That's the Ninja Pastor's number. You give them that, they're going to give you a free month. Go to God and Country Facebook page. Uh, it's facebook.com backslash God and Country Radio. Uh, there's a place where you can sign up. You, you know, sign up by the means of putting in your information for the show uh, to follow the show. But there's links on there. Once you do that or on that page, there's a link there. And that will 
show you exactly where to go. You click on that link, go get all kinds of information. There are no contracts. You're not locked in. And once you get your money back, your free uh, month back, they, they never come back and take it back. This is the best coverage out there. Trust me. I've researched it all. Welcome back to The Collision of Faith and Politics. Here again is Dr. Sean. Hey, welcome back. Thanks for joining us. Hey, write that down. Here's a number to write down, 20630. Or if you write in Ninja in the referral thing, when you go to Second Call Defense, you can get secondcalldefense.org. You can get a free month. What they do is is they give you a check. They send you a check, and they do it fast. Uh, for your first whatever plan you choose, they give you, they send you a check back. So you're, you've, you're refunded that. So it's awesome. I won't be without it. I can tell you that right now. I have the ultimate plan because I'm I'm into that sort of thing. So I, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, I, I felt very frustrated, very frustrated that we're we're focusing a lot on Muslims and Islam and Iran, and they hate Jews. I mean, they just absolutely hate Jews. Let's be honest about it. But you, you've got to you've got to wonder. You've got to. Why do they hate them so much? Why do they Jews so much? Now I interface with Jews. Uh, I didn't so much as a young kid, but as I got a little bit older, I bumped into some folks that you know they wore the um, the kifut, which is the uh, yarmulke. It's actually a kifut, and they they just behave different. They they live different, and I was always curious about that. And then uh, when I went to seminary and all of that. Uh, I really, 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 um, I just dug in the, the Hebrew language, the Hebrew culture. I was always curious, uh, you know, I just, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I have Jewish friends. Actually, people accuse me all the time because when they listen to my sermons, I use as much of the Hebrew language as I possibly can and, and talk about the Hebrew worldview and the culture, the time and the tenor of, of what was going on there in that place, we know when it's being talked about. So I really, uh, that kind of is how I am. Anyway, um, I was actually going to write my first doctoral dissertation on how the Holocaust could have happened. Why did it happen? I was just, I was fascinated by that. How in the world did this happen? How did the world let this happen? How did they do it? I mean, how did we do it? How did we allow this to happen? Now, there's a guy who wrote a book called The Golden Age of Jewish Achievement, and uh, it's really, really a, a really super, super good thing. It's something for you to get a hold of if you ever have the time. Uh, you want to read something that will blow your mind. Uh, the, the author of that, he's been interviewed on radio, TV. Uh, he's just been all over the place. Really, really fascinating guy. Now, I'm not Jewish. I don't even think I have any – I'm not even sure I have any Jewish uh, family members at all, but I am fascinated by the fact that a people which constitute two-tenths of 1% of the world's population and 2% of the U.S. population, how they've made such an enormous con- – I mean, let me say the numbers again. I, I think maybe I might have said that too fast. Two-tenths. 
two tenths. You get that, right? Two tenths of one percent. Of one percent. Two tenths of one percent. They make up two tenths of one percent of the world's population, two percent of the United States population, and they've made such enormous contributions to the betterment of humanity. Now, some of these names I'm going to say to you, I don't, you know, they're Jewish, but and they have bettered humanity in, in many ways, but they certainly aren't religious. Some of these are not religious at all. They're not religious Jews. They're not observant. They're wildly, wildly left. And people hit me up with that all the time. Dr. Sean, Ninja Pastor, how does this happen? The, some of them, I, I've actually been at a protest in, down in, I think it was Tampa. I, was, I think it was in Tampa. When the Council of American Islamic Re- uh, Relations, uh, a terrorist group, uh, they were trying to get Islam into the school down there. And so there at that, and there's this guy. He's wearing a kippur, and and I don't know if you know, but if it's if it's woven or or you know, there's a story to everything. It's not just something you know, you just pick up and oh whatever. I'm just wearing this. There's a story to it, and it tells where you got it, and not where you got it at the store, but you know what region, and and uh, there's even some that tell what tribe you are of the twelve original tribes. All of these different things, you know, there's there's meanings to everything. Well, I engage this guy, and he is standing next to a girl and a guy who are clearly college students, liberal college students, who say that they're Muslim. And we're friends. We get along. I love these people. And I'm Jewish, and they're Muslim. And people look at me, and they say, well, how in the heck does this happen? Well, you're going to see. I mean, it's just uh, there's there are uh, Jews that are observant. Uh, and conservative, many more that are observant and conservative. We just see in the United States the list tends to be uh, more negatively so. And I'm sorry some of you are having trouble with sound. I hate that because I'm getting a lot of um, I'm getting a lot of reports that is very, very clear. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm sorry about that. I hate that. Might be your wife. Might be your Wi-Fi. Um, so let me give you some examples. Now I want to say this again. I want to say these numbers. These. This is a people which constitutes two tenths of one percent of the world population, and two percent of the United States population. Here's just a few examples. In high tech entrepreneurship, Jewish names include uh, Intel, Grove, and Vadach. So they're both Jewish. Google, Bryn, and Page. Both Jewish. Founder and CEO of Oracle, Ellison. Microsoft, Balmer, Jewish. Michael Dell of Dell. Dude, you should have gotten a Dell, dude. Jewish. Qualcomm, Jacobs. Facebook, the Facebook, Zuckerberg and Sandberg, both Jewish. They have no connection whatsoever to their faith part of it, but they throw that around. Hey, I'm Jewish and I'm for the... Iran, you know, deal. I'm for it. It's good for them. We don't want to have to go to war. So anyway, in finance, the names are Legion, Legion, Goldman Sachs, Rothschild, Warburg, Kohlberg, Kravis and Roberts, Wells Fargo, Lehman Brothers, Bear Stearns, many more. 
Let's look at the uh, World Chess Champions. Let's just look at that for fun. Jews have held the title 54% of the time since 1866. Are you kidding me? You guys get this, right? You get this, right? Jews, as world chess champions, have owned that title 54% of the time since 1866. Are you listening? In the 113th United States Congress, 2013 through 2015, Jews were elected to 11% of United States Senate seats. Jews account for three of the nine Supreme Court justices. Now, this is going to blow you away. Nobel Prize, which, look, they gave Barack Hussein Obama. Uh, it means a lot less to me now. They gave the dude the Nobel Prize. He hadn't done a thing yet. Nothing. Nobel Prize, and they give Barack Hussein Obama. Okay, whatever. So uh, if you look at uh, a matrix of it, you know, mathematics matrix of it, you look at it, the expected result you would think is that 1.8 of the recipients would have been Jews, 1.8. You ready for this? The percentage of all Nobel Prize winners, 23%, 181 23%. 101 of them have won multiple Nobel Prizes. 23% of all Nobel Prizes awarded to Jews. How about uh, the history's greatest inventors? 0.6. You'd expect to see 0.6 of history's greatest inventors. Yet 13.7, or fully 5%, 22 have invented more than one thing of the greatest inventions of all time. How about Ivy League students? You know, we, we seem to think that Ivy League uh, puts out the best product. I just don't know. I just don't think so. But whatever, as a means of measuring super smart, uh, you'd expect out of Ivy League students, all Ivy League students, you'd, you'd expect 2,380. Actual numbers, 24,000. 24,000 Ivy League students. 21% of all Ivy League students are Jewish. 50% of Ivy League presidents are Jewish. 50 Half of Ivy League presidents Jewish. Pulitzer Prize nonfiction winners. 51% of all Pulitzer Prize nonfiction winners Jewish. How about symphony conductors, right? Great music. 33%. 33%, a third of all great symphony conductors are Jewish. How about Academy Award? You like movies? Academy Award. How many Academy Award winners? How many? By the way, welcome to Kay Rivoli, my friend, dear, sweet, Wonderful, amazing lady and her husband, Ron, Kay and Ron Rivoli, the Rivoli Review. Thank you very much for joining us. We played your song early in the uh, early in the uh, in the show, a Soldier Mother, Soldier's Mother's Life. Academy Award directors, thirty seven percent are Jewish. Are you listening? 
37% of all Academy Award directors. You say all the other stuff doesn't mean anything. Well, that's not a great thing. Nobel Prize, history's greatest inventors. Well, big deal. Ivy League students and presidents, well, big deal. Pulitzer Prize nonfiction, well, big deal. Symphony, big deal. What's really important is movies. Movies, that's important. That's a big deal. 37% of Academy Award. That's the pinnacle, folks. Academy Award directors. 37% are Jewish. How about the Forbes? This is back in 2007. I haven't gotten newer numbers than this, but it's, I believe it's only grown. Forbes 400, the richest 400 people in the world. In 2007, 31% of the Forbes 400 are Jewish. How about, uh, according to Business Week, the philanthropic, the most philanthropic 50 people in the world, the people who do the most with their money, the, the, just, uh, I, you know, these people just put their money where their mouth is. You feel that? Do you get what I'm saying here? The people who do what they say, the most generous people in the world, according to Business Week, the philanthropic 50, they're 50 most generous people, 38% of that list of 50, 19 of the 50, are you listening? 19 of the 50, 38% are Jewish. How about one last one for you? This is just this will be good for you. Kennedy Center honors. You know that's a big deal. The John F. Kennedy Center when they have these big things and uh, of all the honorees, of all the honorees, twenty six percent have been Jewish. This guy wrote another book called The Debate Over Jewish Achievement, traces major theories to explain the phenomenon. It uses the Technology of a chronology, uh, technique of a chronology to expose the strengths and flaws of each one over time. And in the end, the debate over the factors behind the performance, they boil down to nature, which is genetics, and nurture, which is culture. Nature, nurture. You guys got that, right? You're with me, right? Nature versus nurture. It's just a big deal. So. People are sending me some funny messages. It's just cracking me up. It's a big deal. Nature versus nurture. The research concludes, this author that writes this, research concludes that, yes, genetic heritage and linkages between most of the world's Jews, the Mizrahim, the Sephardim, and the Ashkenazim, date back thousands of years. But Judaism is not a race, folks. Islam is not a race, just so you know. Judaism is not a race, given that anyone can freely convert to Judaism. You'll find Chinese Jews, Ethiopian Jews. Uh, I'm good friends with a bunch of people who are African Jews. Uh, Republic of Chad and different places. But kind of cool, really. But here's why. Here's why it runs down. The culture is the most important driving influence behind Jew Jewish achievement. Now, I'm not going to give you all of the ones because we're going to run out of time. 
But here's some of them. The huge premium. This is why. You say, well, why the juice? Why the juice always doing so good? That doesn't seem right to me. They're always taking over. No, it's this is why. I'm telling you why right here. Because they place a huge Jews place a huge premium on literacy and education. And they've done that for over two thousand years. Jewish people graduate from college at more than twice the national average. Do you understand that? Jews graduate, they finish, they complete, they achieve success in college at more than twice the national average. And all the while, they attend the best schools. Remember what I said about Ivy League schools, 38%. They get better grades, and they go on to pursue productive careers. They don't go on to pursue lesbian music of the black militant. Uh, there's, I, don't, I know I'm going to get it wrong. I, I should have typed it out. But I actually looked up a degree that a major college in the United States, not that far from here, hint, 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 has a degree that talks it, – basically it's a, it's a four-year degree that talks about the lesbian musical journey of the black militant lesbian. That's a four-year degree. So you go into a, a business to try to get a job, and you tell them this is your degree. You kidding me? <laughs> Come on. Come on, Sean. That's not a very helpful degree. My buddy Jerry, Jerry from Pennsylvania, Jews were commanded not to have debt but to lend to the nations. They also became jewelers working with gold and precious stones to build the temple. Boy, isn't that a fact. And they have a family structure. My buddy Bob not one Jew signed the Declaration of Independence. Go figure that. That is amazing, isn't it? But the thing is, is they have a family structure. I have a great friend, Morty. And Morty built a business from nothing. From nothing. Nothing. And now he owns city block, a city block in New York. Started with nothing. That's the real deal. You see, here's the thing. There's a, there's a preacher by the name of Joseph Prince um, that reminds uh, me of it's just it's just the obviousness that they are God's chosen people. They're blessed whether they want it or not. But you know what? They work for it. They work so hard. Here's some more. Most Jews believe in making progress. They're not passive. They're not resigned. They believe in their core that they have a duty to help improve things. They believe in free will, and they intend to exercise their minds and their body to advance the ball in directions that they feel are important. Jews have long maintained very strong family values. They divorce less. Only Mormons divorce less than Jews. They are mostly members of two-parent families. But let me say, it, 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 I, you know, I know lots of Jewish mothers. The mother is loving, no doubt about it, aggressively. She's aggressively loving, Sean. She's strong. I'm strong, Sean. She's demanding. Sean, are you listening to me, Sean? Don't make me repeat this again, Sean. And supportive. I love you, Sean. Sean, you're a nice boy, Sean. But see, here's the thing. The father, he's equally engaged. Most religious holiday events, even for secular Jews, 
are major family events. Shabbat, Friday night dinner. That's a big deal. Look, loyalty to family and kin, that's highly valued. It's a big deal. And you know Jews are typically healthier in terms of diet and their approach to drugs and alcohol. They're very moderate in that. Kosher conformance. Look, that served many purposes, but historically one of them has been to mandate healthy eating habits. Jews typically demonstrate very high levels of self-discipline. And, and let me say this. I, I just want you to understand. Deferred gratification is a lost art. It's a lost art. In this society, whew, in this society, we got to have it now. we got to have it now. College kids, getting out of college with those crazy degrees that I talked about before. <laughs> they want to be CEO. They want five weeks of vacation right up front. A parking lot, parking spot with their name on it right up front. Jews aren't like that. They have a lot of self-discipline. They defer the gratification. We see it in their diet. We see it in their commitment to formal education, their careers, their drive to achieve. What else do they do? They encourage and develop their verbal skills and their inclination to speak up, make an argument, debate, and disagree if they feel strongly. Listen, some of my greatest professors have been Jewish professors. I take a lot of doctorate level uh doctorate level courses. And uh in 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 like the uh University of Jerusalem and uh other other places, Hebrew University, all those things. I like taking those courses. They're very hard. Very very difficult. My buddy, uh, I'm going to talk about this in a second, but I'm going to tell you why history uh, historians have classified six. That's funny. I have the same exact thing in my preparation for today. Great minds think alike. This will be fun. Why, why do people, the six reasons why most people hate Jews. But I started to say, you know, listen, their, their verbal skills are developed very early on, very early on. When they speak up, when, listen, I used to think that the uh, people were being disrespectful uh, to their professors. And then I had a professor, Eli uh, Lazurkin Eisenberg, Russian Jew. Whoa, this guy. Best professor I've ever had in my life. Unbelievable. I think he speaks like seven languages. It's crazy. But great teacher. Great, great teacher. And I had to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning. Or class started at 6 o'clock in the morning. So he had better be a great professor. And let me tell you, he is a great professor. And he would encourage debate. He would encourage argument. And he, and he would say, if you disagree, tell me why. You know, if you're a reticent person, you're hesitant to speak up. You're hesitant to say, hey. You know, that's not a, that's not a highly esteemed trait. The Talmud is a religious tract, but it's also essentially an ongoing academic debate over the evolution of Jewish law in the light of changing circumstances of life. So this is what they do. 
And I'll tell you right now, Jews stand up for what they believe in. If they're a true Jew, they stand up for what they believe in. They have grit. And and sometimes people don't like that. They champion causes important to them. They are not wallflowers. Ethical behavior, man, it's so inculcated in Jews by the Torah and Talmud because God demands it. Rationality, listen, it needs to make rational sense. It's also embodied in Talmud and the lives of most Jews. One has to deal with the fact you've got to have facts. You've got to have grounding. You've got to have adaptation. Listen, the diaspora, when this happened, made anything less than that, you know, making sure you adapt, making sure you deal with facts, making sure you're dealing with reason and rationality and adapt to what is real. The diaspora made anything less than that unfeasible. You couldn't do it. For most of 2,000 years, Jews had to exist as a small minority among other cultures. They had to coexist with countless other tribes and peoples and cultures. And they and those people were substantially different in their beliefs. And their languages were substantially different. They, In order to stay alive, they had to be rational and they had to adapt. Think about it. They don't start wars with other people. Other people start wars with them. Jews almost never adopt the mentality of victims deserving of an entitlement. For a Jew to take public money or assistance is unheard of. It is egregious. God knows, you know what, they have more than a right than most to have taken on that view of it's coming to me. I'm entitled. But they don't. They don't believe they're entitled. And if anything, they believe that they should help others who are less fortunate than them. In the same way, though, Jews feel a strong sense of duty to each other. You wonder why Jewish communities are so strong, because they help each other. They stick together. Those Jews, they stick together, Sean. Yeah, they do. That's a good thing. Same way with the Mormons. Throw rocks all you want at the Mormons, folks. They stick together. They stick together. Look, there's there's nothing, ultimately, there's nothing totally unique about any of these cultural attributes. In fact, most of them are consistent with, you know, cultures of other high-performing groups around the globe. But the thing that makes it amazing is this combination of intensity that makes for a uniquely Jewish experience, one that is undeniably produced more good and far beyond expected norms. But you know what else it does? It tells us how more of us can achieve and contribute in our own lives. We need to have understanding of their culture and mimic that we don't have to have the Jewish genes in order to appreciate and learn from the Jews' stunning performance in the world. We don't we don't have to we don't have to be Jewish to be amazing. Look, if you want to Google something, Google uh medical advances in Israel. They're on the leading edge, folks. Defense weapons, Google that. So you wanna know. Why in the world are they hated so much? 
Historians, they've classified six explanations as to why people hate the Jews. Ex, you know, and I'm going to say this, and, and it's not politically correct. You'll get over it. You'll be all right. Take a deep breath. <sighs> breathe in and breathe out. Breathe in and breathe out. I went liberal there, didn't I? I don't have a Subaru in my driveway either. I do have Birkenstocks. That's how the Germans say it, Birkenstocks. Birkenstocks, I wear those. Why not? They're good for my feet. Economic. We hate Jews because they possess too much wealth and power. It's just flat-out envy, folks. They have too much wealth and power. Guess why they have it? Because they stick together. They work together. Just like Asians. Asians stick together. They work together. They do business together. It's all within their culture. Because family's the number one positive impact on them. And you know what? On the rest of society, it's also the negative. Chosen people. We hate Jews because they arrogantly claim the the chosen people. Christians hate this a lot. How about the Old Testament, folks? How about let's read the Old Testament? You can't have a New Testament without the Old Testament. Holla. Can I get an amen? We hate the Jews because they're arrogantly claiming that they're the chosen people. Guess what? The Bible says they are. How about a scapegoat? Jews are a convenient group to single out and blame for our troubles. Amen and amen. Love to blame the Jews. Deicide. We hate Jews because they killed Jesus. We hate them because they killed Jesus. A small portion of a very small portion of Jews hungry for power, wild for power, sick with power, and afraid that Yeshua was going to take away their power. Schemed with the Romans to kill Jesus. But you know what killed Yeshua? My sin. My sin killed Jesus. Nothing less. Outsiders, you know what? We hate Jews because they're different than us. They're not like us, so we hate them. We hate them. They're they're just different, and I don't like them. I don't like them. I don't like how they talk. I don't like how they talk. You know, they're always barking at each other. And then the racial theory. This is the, the sixth of the six explanations as to why people hate the Jews. This is what historians have come up with. We hate Jews because they are an inferior race. Did you listen to what I just said? Did you listen to what I just said? Inferior? Are you kidding me? It always cracks me up, and Jerry from Pennsylvania reminds me of this. Thank you, Bob, for for reinforcing um, the truth about Jews and why people hate them. Uh, Jerry reminds me, the Jews lent people money. And when they couldn't pay it back, it was always the Jews' fault. Pure envy and jealousy. We just hate them because, you know what? They're always... They're always winning. They're always number one, and we hate that. And I shouldn't have to pay you back. You have everything anyway. Hang with us. We'll be right back. We will be back with Dr. Sean, the Ninja Pastor, after these short messages.
Hey, happy warriors. This is the Ninja Pastor here. Listen, keepers of the republic, people who care about the future of this country, if that's you, and you're not the you that just wants to talk about it, just do Facebook posts, just do Twitter, but, I mean, you really want to do something. You really want to make a difference. You're called a keeper of the republic. Our founders clearly detailed that we, the people, would keep our republic if we participated in our own governance. Self-governance, let me tell you what, requires education, participation, sacrifice, and determination, and the belief that you can make a difference. Look, you've got to do something, but what is something? As I said, Facebook posts, they won't save the republic. Neither will rallies or voter drives. It goes way deeper. And if you truly want to do something of value that is also effective, the question is, are you willing? Listen, you can go to centerforselfgovernance.com or you can go to facebook.com backslash God and Country Radio. There's a link there uh, for a center of self-governance. All you do is click there. While you're there at facebook.com backslash God and Country Radio, click on like and sign up. And you'll have all these links uh, immediately available to you, super, super easy. And I can help arrange courses for you in the Northeast and elsewhere. you got to do it. You say, i got to do something. I want to do something. This is the something. This is the something really big. This is the secret sauce. you got to ask yourself some tough questions. Do you really have what it takes? Do you really have what it takes to help save this country? Do you really want to save the country? Have you given up already? Then here's the really, really tough question. Am I worth the blood and treasure already sacrificed for liberty and freedom? Am I worth the acres of crosses in Arlington, Virginia, and towns across America? Soldiers who gave everything, committed everything to our freedom. How do you do it? Go to my Facebook page, facebook.com backslash God and Country Radio, and then click on the link to this, Center for Self-Governance. It'll be right there. You want to do something? This is your something. Welcome back to The Collision of Faith and Politics. Here again is Dr. Sean. Thank you for coming back to us. Hey, I hope you enjoyed that commercial. Center for Self-Governance is coming to the state of Delaware and also the state of Pennsylvania November 13th, 14th, and I think 15th. And we will be having the great Mark Kerr back on the show. Uh, he is one of the founders and, and great, great instructors. We really enjoyed uh, Bill Norton was here. Really loved that dude. Great, great guy. I was pleased to have him at my house, have him to stay over at my house. And uh, we were busy, folks. We were busy. We stayed busy. And, and when Mark is here, we're going to stay busy, too. So be put that on your radar. November 13th, 14th, and 15th, I think the 14th, we're going to have a um, level one training in the state of Delaware. So that's a big deal. And we're going to be bringing a whole lot of folks in. So you want to go to the Center for Self-Governance uh, website and put in your state Wherever you are, we have people all over the country, all over the world. Put it in your state, and that will tell you when the next training is. Jerry from Pennsylvania, one of my great buddies, one of my best friends ever, he reminds me a lot of the lending. Remember we said Jews lent people money, and when they couldn't pay it back, it's always the Jews' fault. They were always envious and, and jealous. But you got to remember, a lot of the lending was for property. So in foreclosures, the Jews gained property. Well, of course, the borrowers like, you're taking my – you're taking my uh, – uh, by the way, Cal Living, thank you for that. I don't know 
how, why this is happening. We're having such sound troubles. Blog Talk Radio, if you're listening, um, it's so many problems. I don't know what the deal. I haven't moved, but for some reason now we're getting distortion. Some people it's choppy. Some people it's not. I don't know. I don't know, Sean. I don't know. So, And in the ads, there's no stuttering, so I don't know what the deal is. Anyhow, all that said to say this, look, folks, you know, you can envy smart business people all you want. People are always mad at, at wealthy people, wealthy business people who started with nothing and they have, they've come up with this great thing. Dude Perfect. Do you ever hear of this? Dude Perfect. Uh, you can Google it. Dude Perfect. It's uh, these guys got together when they were younger and they would make these shots, these basketball shots, these amazing basketball shots. You've seen them on commercials where they bounce them, you know, they throw them from the bleachers and it bounces off a you know, someplace on the field, and it goes in the basket. Or, you know, at a basketball stadium, or what do you call them, a basketball arena, you know, and they're making these shots. This is real. They actually do this. These are real shots they're doing. Uh, and and they called their name Dude Perfect. And But these guys are YouTube sensation, uh, which they're very wealthy now. All of them are very wealthy, all buddies. And they're, they do things for ads and all this stuff. It's It's pretty amazing. Really, really amazing. You know, just super, super cool. So uh, let me just say this. Um, you know, we'll put the – I think there's – I think I made a good enough case for you to see that why do, especially uh, the Muslims, why do they hate the Jews so much? Why do people in this country who don't understand Jews, don't understand – you know, if they take a medicine, most likely a Jew – uh, found, you know, discovered it, formulated it. Like I said, most of the modern uh, advancements, uh, like, for instance, in cannabis, using cannabis and hemp and all that stuff, that's going on in, in Israel. It's absolutely amazing. Amazing. Don't be, don't be hating. Don't be hating on the Jews. But you understand now why the Muslims hate them so much. They've hated them forever, so... Anyway, I like them. So James 3.18, it reads this way, And peacemakers, the words peacemaker, and peacemakers who sow seed in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. Now, we have a peacemaker, and understand that peacemaker doesn't mean, does not mean pacifist. If someone's a Christian or a Messianic Jew or a Jew, uh, a Orthodox Jew, doesn't mean you have to be a pacifist. You understand? The, the the modern thinkers, the leftists, have co-opted the language of the Bible. They've misinterpreted it, they've mistranslated it, and they say peacemaker means pacifist, and it doesn't. But in peacemakers sow a seed in peace, raise a harvest of righteousness. Who who sow seed in peace, raise a harvest of righteousness. Listen, we want to pray for one of our kehala. He's deploying for his fourth deployment. He's active duty. He's an active duty fireman. He was in Iraq in 2005, Kuwait in 2008, and 2010, and now he's gone to another place we won't mention in the Middle East for just under a year. Folks, we're still at war. We are still at war. Do you understand the deal here? We are still at war. One of the great, great songs that I love the K and Ron Rivoli do is freedom's not free. We need to understand we are still at war and freedom isn't free. 
If you wake up in the morning In a land where you are free You should think about the ones who fought Protecting liberty You should fly a flag in honor Of the price they had to pay Yes, every day throughout this land Should be Memorial Day Some gave all, they paid the price For freedom's here, they sacrificed They gave their lives for you and me Their graves remind us, freedom's not free If you watch your children playing In a land where freedom reigns In a land of purple majesty Above the fruited plains You should tell them of the soldiers Who had courage and were brave And fought in wars and battles To ensure all glory waves For some gave They paid the price For freedom's here They sacrificed They gave their lives For you and me Their graves remind us Freedom's not free God bless them. They are just awesome. I'm telling you, if you could know them and meet them in person, they are so, so awesome. So talented, so sweet, and just so, so talented. And they've got their finger on the pulse of liberty, that is for sure. So chapter 4 of of Yaakov, which is um, James, James is the brother of Jesus. Uh, Chapter 4, verse 1, what is causing all the quarrels and fights among you? Isn't it your desires battling inside you? Verse 2, you desire things and don't have them. You kill. You know, first there's a killing. And then you're jealous. Then immediately right after the killing, then there's jealousy. And you still can't get them, so you fight and quarrel. The reason 
you don't have is that you don't pray. Man, that's so clear. It's so clear. The reason we don't have is because we don't have we don't pray. The sad fact is, is we have access to a heavenly Father, who through His Son Yeshua Hamashiach via the Ruach Hakodesh or Jesus the Messiah, through the Holy Spirit, we don't avail ourselves. It's sad that we don't. We don't avail ourselves of the opportunity to converse with Adonai Elohim, the Creator of all that we see. Folks, we have war rooms that are all too often left vacant. We leave our war rooms vacant if we only prayed. If we only prayed. Listen, let's pray right now for my brother in Christ, good friend, Chris Cahalan. He's in Minnesota. He's fighting pancreatic cancer. He's waging hope. He and his family and lots and lots of other people. He's waging hope. Let's enter our war room. Let's pray for Chris. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for my buddy Chris. You know him better than I do. You love him like no one or nothing could ever love. And I can't I confess I don't understand why a forty six year old man with a great family of three beautiful kids and a beautiful, wonderful wife, so many friends, such a pr- productive member of society, such a good guy why he would be stricken with this. But yeah, I guess you'll explain all that. You don't have to explain it. You're the creator. But he has such faith. He such faith, and even in the hardest of times, he has such faith in you. And his faith is a beacon. God, I know that if you heal him while he's still on earth, his light will be ever brighter, so bright. His testimony will be ever more amazing testifying to your glory and your grace and your provision and your mercy. I ask, Father, that you find it in your will to do that for my buddy Chris Cahalan. And, God, I ask that you press upon the people within the sound of my voice, half a million people maybe, that they would pray. If they are prayers, if they are people with a war room in their home, that they would pray for my buddy Chris Cahalan and the Cahalan family. I pray this in the name of your son, Yeshua. Amen. Verse 3 goes on to say, Or you pray and don't receive because you pray with the wrong motive, that of wanting to indulge your own desires. Folks, what is the what is the reason we pray? God, let me win that lottery. I want to win that well, I want to win the lottery ticket. Please, Lord, let me get this lottery so I can go on and quit this job. I don't think there's necessarily anything totally and completely wrong with that, really and truly. I really don't. I'm not saying the lottery, that's not the way to do it, folks. That's that's you know that's a, that's a fool's errand. But the the bottom line is is the wrong what's the reason? Why am I why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I praying when I'm praying? The wrong motive including that of wanting to indulge your own desires. For Christians and Messianics out there, you unfaithful wives, which is a throwback from the Old Testament and, and Hebrew idiom, don't you know that loving the world is hating God? Whoever chooses to be the world's friend makes himself God's enemy? Sometimes we do stuff, we say stuff. And I, and, and even the people with the Black Lives Matter group uh, that engaged me privately, I told them, I said, listen, you... 
you need to understand that I don't hate you. I don't hate you. I don't there's look, there's a natural bias in the world. If you're black, you have a natural bias. It might not necessarily be toward white people. Uh it often is. We're being fair and we're being honest. And if you're white, you might have a bias toward certain black people. Be fair and be honest. That's just that's how we live. Uh Muslims have a an extreme bias against Christians and Jews. It's reality. But look, if we if we love the world, if we don't speak the truth, because the world doesn't want to hear truth. They want to hear feelings. Well, I feel the world reinvents God in their own image. This is what they want. And I do it. I'm, sometimes I'm guilty of that. Recreating God in my own image. Listen, if you want to be the world's friend... You're going to make yourself God's enemy, and there's no worse ever in the world that you could be than God's enemy. Verse 5 says, or do you suppose, now see, when it asks us, think Hebrew now, think Jewish, or do you suppose means think, people, think. Or do you suppose the scripture speaks in vain when it says that there is a spirit in us which longs to envy Man, how many of us are beat up with envy? We got to have that fancy house. We got to have that fancy car. We got to listen. I know somebody that right now wants to impoverish their family by buying the most expensive house they can possibly pay for. Not pay for, but afford initially. And they're doing that so that when people drive by, they'll say, "Wow, a successful man lives in that house. He must really be good." He's envying someone else's life, someone else's stuff. He's going to impoverish his family at the worst possible time in his life. Verse 6, but the graces is uh, Yaakov 4, 6, or James 4, 6. James is the brother of Jesus, and he was kind of the leader of the Messianic community. But the grace he gives is greater. Greater than what? You ever read that verse and and you're like, it's greater, amen, greater, amen, it's greater than something, I don't know what. Greater than that envy. The grace he gives is greater than that envy, which is why it says God opposes the arrogant, but to the humble he gives grace. Therefore, submit to God. Folks, you can submit to so many other things. You can submit to a boss. Look, you, everybody got to have a boss. Everybody got a boss. Let's let's not front. Everybody has a boss. Everybody does. I, when I when I uh, when I preach the sermon, I said this is just an excerpt from it. But when I preach the sermon, the sermon is entitled "If Then." The if then proposition. Anybody that's had great sales training or leadership training, you've heard of the if then proposition. If you do this, then this will happen. If then, the if then proposition. So here's verse 7. Therefore, submit to God. Moreover, take a stand against the adversary. That's step one. Submit to God and take a stand against the adversary. Some folks, they don't want to make a claim. They don't want to say uh, that there is an adversary. Folks, there's an adversary. There's an enemy. And he doesn't have horns. He doesn't have a pitchfork. And he's not all red. But he's the enemy. 
That's step one. Submit to God. Take a stand against the adversary, and he will flee from you. That's step two. If you submit to God, if you take a stand against the adversary, the adversary will flee from you, and that's step two. That's the then. Come close to God. That's part one. And then he'll deliver you. People say, God doesn't give me what I'm asking for. God doesn't answer my prayers. He's not listening to me. Because you haven't come close to him. And you haven't listened to him. You haven't been humbled. In order that you would get grace. Come close to God. That's the if. If you come close to God. And then he will deliver. He will come close to you. That's the then. Clean your hands, part one. That's the if, sinners. Clean your hands. That's the if. If you clean your hands and purify your hearts, that's the if. If you clean your hands, purify your hearts. You double-minded people. Wail, mourn, and sob. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy into gloom. Humble yourselves. That's step one, folks. I talk about it all the time. There's a whole lot of people, a whole lot of people that I talk to in the Black Lives Movement that are in their early 20s. Some of them are 18, 19 years old, talking like they know something, talking like they've been around the world, talking to me, the 50-year-old man, been all over the world. I've been humbled. That's step one. But you've got to be humble before the Lord. And he will, this is step two, if you humble yourselves before the Lord, he will lift you up. Brothers, stop speaking against each other. Whoever speaks against a brother or judges a brother is speaking against Torah and is judging Torah. And if you judge Torah, you're not a doer of what the Torah says, but you're a judge. There is but one giver of Torah. He is also the judge with the power. He's not a judge with power. He is the judge with the power to deliver and destroy. Who do you think you are judging your fellow human being? Now, judging there doesn't mean what you think it means. People throw that around. You can't judge me. Different story. It's a different way. It's comparison. It's a means of looking at and comparing yourself to another, measuring yourself to another. You can look at bad behavior. You can look at sin and call it what it is. That's what we're called to do in ourselves and in each other. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, stay there for a year trading and make a profit. You don't even know if you'll be alive tomorrow. For all you are is a mist that appears for a little while and then disappears. There's nothing more humbling than realizing we're little, folks. We're little, and statistically speaking, we're insignificant. Sometimes my buddy Steve tells me, he reminds me about his daughter. He says she doesn't get what she wants sometimes from him because she has a loving father who knows better, as is our heavenly father. Cal Living makes a great point in chat. I'm telling you, chat is vibrant. The key word in that verse uh, before is if. God gave us a choice if we do it. We don't have to do it. We do it if we want. It'd be a lot harder if we don't do it. But if we do it, if we humble ourselves, God gives us a choice. With Islam, guess what? There is no choice. You either submit or you die. 
You don't even know if you're going to be alive tomorrow. For all you are is a mist that appears for a little while and then disappears. Kids come out of college now. They come out of high school, and they think they should be CEO with the parking spot, the five weeks of annual vacation. They should get a vacation on on the first or second week because all they've been is in school where you get off. You get off, uh, you know, a couple weeks after you're in school, you get off. You got a day off. You got weekends off. Every holiday's off. You got spring break. You got winter break. You got... Easter this and Easter that and Christmas this and Christmas that. And now they're going to have Muslim holidays. Get all these days off. You think, hey, I should have those days off. You don't even know if you're going to be alive tomorrow. And all you are is a mist that appears for a little while. Verse 15 says, instead you ought to say, if Adonai wants it to happen, we will live to do this or that. This or that. My buddy Chris, we have the greatest conversation, sometimes at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. I make a habit of checking my phone just to make sure because my brother is in a lot of pain. He's in a lot, a lot of pain. He's not in discomfort. He's in pain. And sometimes he can't sleep. Often he can't sleep. I wish he'd eat. Brother, you need to eat. Get some food in that body. I know it hurts. I know it doesn't feel good, but you got to get food. You need strength. And he says, if Adonai wants to heal me, I'll live to do his will. His will. But as it is, your arrogance, in your arrogance you boast. All such boasting is evil. Folks, we got a lot of nerve boasting, don't we? We have got a lot of nerve boasting about what we can do. Did we create trees? Did we create the grass? Did we create these flowers? Did we create these flying birds? You know, everybody knows I'm into photography. I love traveling around. I'm also a hunter, and I'm in awe of animals. You know, people say, oh, you just run around killing people. No. It's it's almost a sign of worship and acceptance of God's provision for me. I'm, I'm in awe of what he's created because he's the creator. I'm in awe of him. Well, I can't boast about anything I've done. Nothing I've done. I wrote a book. I can't boast about that. Only by his will. For this radio show, I can't boast about that. That's not me, that's him. Man, it's part of being mature. Uh, Cal living in chat, really powerful statement. When you know that you're living on borrowed time, you thank God every day you're alive. Your prayer and and, and their meaning seems to change as you mature. Amen. Amen. That's a fact, folks. Listen, I was trapped in a vehicle for 40 minutes. And everybody that looked at that vehicle when they came up to it, including two of the firemen, said, that guy's dead. They checked my vitals, and I wasn't there. I can't boast about that. I'm not saying I'm tough. God chose for whatever reason to keep me here on this terra firma. The passage ends. James 4 ends with, Verse 17, so then, anyone who knows the right thing to do and fails to do it is committing a sin. It's not that hard to know what to do. It is not that hard to know what to do. It's just hard to do it sometimes. That's why we have to be together. We have to be a team. We have to decide I have a hashtag that I've coined. Hashtag decide, resolve, stand. 
You got to know what you believe in. You got to decide what you believe in. You got to decide what you're going to do. You have to be resolved in that. And then you have to stand. You have to stand. Folks, we've got some mealy mouth people. Good lands if some of these people in this in some of these people in these colleges, if they ever get in charge, we're in deep trouble. Flip floppy, afraid. You've got to decide. The only way you can decide and resolve is if you pour yourself into knowing what the right thing is, what the truth is. Not your feelings, not how you feel, but what is the truth. Then you resolve, and then you stand. Yaakov says, James, the brother of Jesus, says, So then anyone, James 4, 17, anyone who knows the right thing to do and fails to do it is committing a sin. Amen. Thank you for joining me today. Man, I appreciate it. Thank you for all your messages and all your your emails, your private messages. Thank you for contacting me through the ninjapastor.com. Thank you for going to facebook.com backslash God and Country Radio Show. We're so glad to have you. Check out my YouTube page. Just go to YouTube, type in The Ninja Pastor. Thank you for joining us. Tell all your friends. I so appreciate it. Join us next time for The Collision of Faith and Politics. And please follow this show at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the ninja pastor and follow dr sean on twitter at the ninja pastor and on facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash god in country radio and at www.drseangreener.com in the meantime dr sean will be fighting for you and for this great country Thank you for joining in this fight.